How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name's Josh Hutchinson, and I've got my trusty co-host once again, John Binkle, with me here today. How you doing, buddy? I'm excellent, man. It's bus time, son. It's bus time. You got it. Before we get started, um, thank you to everyone who has submitted five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, If you haven't and you are enjoying our content... Um, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and give us a five-star review. Um, we uh, would greatly appreciate it. It really helps us spread the word about the show. Um, and, yeah, it just helps helps uh, helps us find people that, that may be interested in the content. Uh, also, uh, check out the Apples and Genos Discord server. The chatter's starting to pick up again with draft season around the court around the corner uh it's a nice community of hundreds of people that love talking fantasy hockey uh nate's also been running some best ball leagues in there um everyone's been been flexing their drafting muscles uh in a low risk environment uh each league is about five dollars with um five dollar entry fee with cash prizes for the top three um so the discord is where you would find more information on that so today, John and I, as John mentioned, we're going to be talking about potential busts for this upcoming fantasy hockey season. Um, Nate, as I mentioned in the last podcast, will be writing an article about his sleepers and busts, and that's going to be available to patrons only. Um, so that's one of the many perks that comes with being a patron of Apples and Genos, uh, along with access uh, to patron listener leagues, early access to Nate's fantasy project projections and and more um if that's something that interests you go to patreon.com slash apples genos to sign up for as little as five dollars a month and like i said on the last episode uh, if you're interested in the patron listener leagues i would sign up as soon as possible because uh, nate's going to be starting to organize those very soon so uh are you ready to talk some bus binksy let's do it man all right so my first bust Maybe a little surprising to some people, maybe not. Uh, it's Drake Batherson. So there's a number of reasons. Um, I, I mean, I think there was a scenario uh, at the end of last year, if you had asked me uh, that I thought Drake Batherson would be a bust this year, um, I would have thought you were crazy. Um, but there's a number of things that have happened since then. Uh, one of them is Ottawa has just gotten uh, wildly better. They've had a, a huge offseason. Um, they, yeah, acquiring, uh, Alex Debrinkit and, uh, Claude Giroux, um, which really shores up their power play. But if they're, if they load up PP1, I, I think Batherson is going to get bumped because Debrinkit is, is a premium goal scorer in the league. Uh, and he plays the flank that Batherson was playing last year. So naturally, I think that he's going to get bumped there. Whether they move him to a different spot, I don't think so. Josh Norris is a natural uh, left-handed shot on the other flank and has just been a sniper for the last couple of years. Uh, Brady Kachuk is a natural in front of the net, So, and I don't think he's going anywhere. That's just kind of his spot. And then the bumper, I mean, uh, you got Claude Giroux, you've got tim stutzla um and then obviously you're probably going to put a defenseman i i mean i'm of the belief that i think it, it might be a good idea to use five forwards on their power play just because they're they're so they have such a glutton of talent there on forward but i don't think i don't think G, dj smith will go for that i don't think um, he will either but that would be a just a beautiful barrage of pucks on net if they were to put five out there it would be pretty cool it would be pretty cool i'd be into it for sure um 
I mean the and so I I think that I think that Batherson's um, time on ice and definitely his power play time uh, is probably going to see a, de- a decrease there. Um, the other aspect is um, the ongoing criminal investigation involving Hockey Canada and the World Junior Team that Drake ba- Drake Batherson was on. Um, obviously, everything is alleged. I don't want to. I'm not. I'm not assuming that Drake Batherson is is was involved, um, but there have been a lot of statements that have come out um, about from players on that team saying that they weren't involved. So I mean, whether or not they're all telling the truth, um, right? Batherson is one of the players that has not. And um, if you're narrowing things down, there were eight players supposedly allegedly involved in this incident, um, and only 11 or 12 have not released a statement. Batherson is in that group. So there's a lot of people that are assuming that he could potentially be involved in that. Uh, I mean, that's, that's huge. Um, it is. And whether, whether that affects him on the ice mentally, like, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm talking strictly, strictly fantasy. Like this is a terrible situation. I don't want to, um, uh, I don't want to downplay the situation at all. But um, if we're talking strictly fantasy, um, I mean, this there are criminal charges that could be laid. And in that case, uh, if he was involved, uh, he could not be playing hockey at all. So that so it, in my opinion, when I'm drafting, I'm I would have trouble taking him, period. Yeah. And, and the, in that in that case, uh, I'm. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I'm staying away from Batherson completely. So I think you're, um, I think you're, regardless of more that, on track with with the mental state rather than the yeah. the possibility of drawing between the lines and and what may come to fruition legally, right? Um, mm-hmm. No matter what happens mentally, it's going to take a toll on him. And given the situation that he is in in Ottawa you don't want anything detracting from your play with so many other people gunning for your top spot. Yeah. There's a lot of things going on there. And I just like, I I mean, I'm again, don't want to make light of the situation. It's, it's, it's a, it's a horrific, horrific thing that's happened. Uh, And I, I mean, I hope that he wasn't involved, um, but there is a distinct possibility. So, so in that case, I, I am I'm staying away from Batherson, um, but regardless of that, I still think that his production may take a decline just because Absolutely. of of the the other talent around him in Ottawa. So, um, yeah, so he's my first bust. That is uh, uh, a big big tenant to a possible drop off for him. It definitely deserves to be talked about, even in a serious light. Who's your uh, Who's your first bust? So this one actually really hurts my heart because my actual team um doesn't doesn't stand to benefit from me thinking this way but (laughs) i wouldn't be a stars fan if i wasn't uh so my first um candidate for bus list is is the otter jake ottinger um netminder for dallas his adp is 85 um i mean come on in the zero g world for a zero g brand and you're gonna tell me a dallas star netminder is worth a top 100 pick like this is the spot to be eating up value at the stacked center position. It's uh, the place to be getting one of the last upper tier right wingers uh, and a 
position of scarcity. Um, there are no assurances of Jake being able to handle a majority starter workload. We've not seen that from him. Like he's a young guy, um, but we've never seen that from him. So for you to be banking on um, a guaranteed number one goaltender making it all the way through the year healthy and and um, of sound mind as a goalie is is a tough sell for me. Uh, draft bias in terms of his name is is going to spike because of the playoff performance. Like he's just a, a sexier name than the other goalies in this tier. So I would expect the ADP to actually go higher rather than lower in this case. Um, it is worth noting there's a reason to watch the value of Otter because of a relatively no, low number of back-to-back games uh, across the league. The Stars only have 10, which puts them um, virtually at the lowest amount. So um, as a number one goaltender, it's certainly possible that he does that for the entire stretch of season, but um, there's no tracker track record there to rely on. So I'm I'm hesitant on goalies. I'm especially hesitant on a young goalie with no proven track record of being able to do this across the season. Um, and as much as I think John Klingberg is a turnstile, their actual talent at at defense is much lower than it was last year without him. So um, all of the indicators for me don't point to him jumping up the ranks like he has. And uh, in these best balls that we've been doing, I've actually seen him go quite a bit higher than 85. So it's not someone that I'm spending draft capital on at all. Yeah, I I definitely wouldn't consider it a safe pick. Um, Especially, I mean, I'm, I'm not as low on, I'm not as low on goalies as Nate is, but I'm still, I'm still a guy that likes to fade them for, for, for quite a while. And I think at that range, I don't think Ottinger is the type of guy, is, is the guy, well, a guy that, like you mentioned, um, is young, uh, has never really been a starter, um, and especially not not a high volume starter. So you don't know what he's going to be able to do. I knew as soon as, uh, mm-hmm. as soon as that Calgary series happened, that his I was like this guy's draft stock is skyrocketing because as soon as someone gets national attention, um, someone that doesn't typically get that and they play at a ridiculous level like that, um, they start getting way overvalued. I don't know if you saw that ranking that was fl- floating around on Twitter uh, where he was ranked third uh, in terms of fantasy value for goalies. I think it was. I think now, it, was Dynasty it came rankings. out. It came out that it, that that um, you know through all the discussion that was dynasty ranking, and I and I see it more applicable there. But you're absolutely right. Like his his value is just through the roof, um, and it, it that can't be can't be a viable option. Yeah, I, I, I think I think there's potential for him to be great, but I, I don't think that I'm drafting him at that level. I Not think there. There's pretty much Not always going to be someone that picks him uh, before I want him. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely with you there for sure. Who's on uh, Who's on number two for you on the bust list? My second bust is Ryan Hartman. So, Ryan Hartman last year had the highest shooting percentage of his career by far. Um, it was 15.7%. And in parts of seven se- or sorry, in parts of 10 seasons over his career, um, he'd only been higher than 10% twice. And that's just barely 10.34% was his previous career high. So obviously his deployment got considerably better. And I think because he was fairly consistent last year, he'll probably start as their top line center. Um, but you do have Marco Rossi coming and 
I mean, you talked last episode about him having having chemistry with Matt Boley, and I think that's totally reasonable. But uh, there's there is just no center depth on that team. It's wild the amount of success that they're able to have yeah. um, with with this the uh, the lack of premium center talent. Um, I think Marco Rossi long term is probably going to be their top line center. Um, so whether or not he makes that jump this season, I'm not really sure. Um, but if that's the case, if Ryan Hartman's not playing with with Kirill Kaprizov, uh, he's going to see a huge dip in production. So mm-hmm. obviously, um, he has some peripheral uh, value um, in, in bangers cats leagues or in points leagues with bangers weight. Um, there's definitely some value there. Um, he does hit and block. But I, I just don't see him shooting at a 15% clip like he did this year. I mean, almost 16%, um, especially like looking at his career shooting percentage. And that was peaks and valleys throughout the season too. You know, we're not talking about a a sustained curve across the season where he was doing that. It was very much up and down. Yeah. Very, very streaky, but overall was like just had a a bomb shooting percentage. Like that's, that's a great shooting percentage. Um, But yeah, I I just don't see him replicating that even with playing with Kaprizov. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's my bust. I don't know. It, it, like it could be, it could be that he has a reasonable year, but I, I just don't see him. Uh, I mean, he's not a guy that I'm, I'm going to be drafting myself. Uh, who's your next bust? So we're going to move a really, really short distance for my second bust. <laughs> uh, we're going to move roughly 15 feet to the right. Uh, my second bus is Matt Zuccarello. Um, I love Matt. So I, I absolutely wanted him to stay a star forever. The lizard. Um, but this is an injury-prone guy, right? Uh, he's recovering from two major off-season injuries, one of them a core injury. And in hockey, that's just absolutely crucial that you're strong all the way through the core. Uh, he's virtually a lock to miss 10-plus games regardless of off-season rehabilitation, but... Um, he's turning the dreaded 35 years old before the season begins, coming up in just a couple of weeks. Historically, a huge drop-off, right? The only time you don't see a huge drop-off for 35-year-old players um, is like Hall of Fame level players. And we're, we're talking about the Hall of pretty good with Matt Zuccarello. So his success is completely tied to the hip of Kaprizov. Um, who is just a massive talent. But if there is any downturn in their offensive viability as a team, which you can probably expect um, losing Fiala, um, then you're going to directly correlate that to Zuccarello. Like most of his point totals are coming from assists and most of those assists are going to Kaprizov. So um, there's a lot of down indicators here. Um, you don't really know what you're going to get from the center, from from whoever it shakes out to be, like you mentioned with Hartman. So I think there's a ton of reason to believe that Matt Zuccarello is uh, someone that you're going to be overpaying for in your drafts at an ADP of 112. There's a lot of other players there that I am more excited about in a floor and ceiling um, stance. Yeah, I totally get that take. Um as a counter argument, I think he is still going to play with Kaprizov all, all year, and I just don't I don't know that the the 
the downtick, um, especially like even even with him turning thirty five, uh, is going to be as aggressive is going to be aggressive enough for him to be that much of a bust at that position. Um, I he's uh, there is no I mean <laughs> there's not really a lot of right wing depth on on that That's team. That's true. We talked about center. That's true. And I just I just don't see anyone replacing him on that top line. So he's 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 going to be playing top line. He's going to be playing top power play all year. So. Uh, I just think um, um, any any concern about how all of his assists are going to Kaprizov. I mean, if he's still playing with Kaprizov, it doesn't really matter. So, um, I, I I mean, he's another guy that that has struggled with injuries. So, so we'll see. But um, I, I get I get your take, but I'm I'm not I'm not a hundred percent on board. Uh, like, yeah, I I don't a hundred percent agree, but I get it. Okay. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Um, my, th- this, this one's going to be, this is a big one. Okay. Okay. This is, this is one that's going to be a little controversial. All right. So my third, my third bust, and, and I, I could be totally wrong about this. Okay. But um, I don't think you are. My third, my third bus is Jack Hughes. And this is more based on where he's being drafted currently. So, Jack Hughes right now is being drafted 28th to 30th um, in this. Well, okay. Out of the first two best ball drafts, he was, he was drafted in the first two rounds, both times. Um, I think that's crazy. Uh, He hasn't played a full season yet. Last year, he had 56 points in four, nine games. Obviously that's fantastic. His shooting percentage shot up from in his first season, it was 5.69 his second season, it was 7.75. And then last year, it was 15.76. Now, he has a premium talent. He puts up amazing shot and chance to, chance generation rate stats. Um, I just think he's being drafted so high, yeah. considering the small sample size. Um, I think people are relying on draft pedigree, like he was a first overall pick, so I get that. And and they're feeling like there's a natural tra- trajectory Um considering he had like an exponential um increase in production last year when he was healthy he doesn't do anything peripherally um i mean i i you know i think jack Hughes is a fantastic player not trying to shit on him i just think people are way too high especially he he's not dual eligible he's Mm -hmm. just a straight center and like you said unless you're getting premium center talent i let it let it ride yeah let it let it ride. Like I, I just don't think you need to take him in the second round. I think there's and like uh, the, if these best ball drafts are any proof, there are people that want Jack Hughes more than I want mm-hmm. Jack Hughes. So a lot uh, more. I, yeah. I think I don't think he's going to be a complete bust. I just don't think that he is second, third, third round center talent. I, 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 I just I'm, I'm not convinced. I think. Any smart fantasy hockey manager is drafting on floor in the first few rounds. And if you're drafting Jack Hughes in the first couple of rounds, even into the third round, the early third round, you're drafting on a ceiling for a player who doesn't really do anything other than put up points for you. So um, if you're going to be drafting on point ceiling, there definitely needs to be um, some ancillary value there for you for me to feel comfortable I think you're absolutely right he's an excellent player he's electric and he's you know on the uptick but 
that's a that's a steep price to pay when there are other really valuable players right there next to him. Who's your third bust? So this one um, is tying a bit into uh, one of your sleeper players, right? Um, this one coming from where offense goes to die, a Seattle player at the ADP of 190, it's Andre Burakovsky. Um, this is the player in my eyes that was um, eating off of other people's plates in Colorado, right? Um, he got paid based on their success. I don't think necessarily based on his own ability. Uh, there's a massive downturn in the surrounding talent going from Colorado to Seattle. He's hardly a reliable option to, to shoulder top level minutes. Like we've not really ever seen that from him before. And he's going to be just straight up thrust into it uh, in Seattle. In the same way you were talking about OBJ just being relied on to play all of these minutes. I think Burakovsky gets that same push but I don't think he has the actual talent to capitalize on it. Most of his points were coming from assists. Um, most of them um, were from first assists, right, which is generally a good indicator, but when you're playing with a much lower talent level, that's, that's something that scares me off a bit. Um, and he held a very low IPP throughout the season, even on such a successful team. Uh, not great indicators for him to achieve his own success on a struggling team. He seems like the player that gets washed out in all of those top-level minutes for Seattle, whereas you're looking at Beneers to have this excellent upward trajectory. You're looking at OBJ to have um, all of this opportunity at a really relatively low value, and Burakovsky is the odd man out to me. Yeah, I think he, he he won't ever have more opportunity than he will next year, Burakovsky. Um, but I, I'm with you. I, I I'm not 100% convinced. Um, I think in I we talked about Bjorkstrand on the last episode uh, about how even though he's going to Seattle, I feel like his offensive situation is actually getting better in terms of the players that he's playing with. Uh, Burakovsky, it's that's not the case at all. Uh, he, I mean, he was playing with with Nichushkin and Kadri most of the year, so uh, that's uh, uh, you're not you're not going to compare. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, Matty Beniers, uh, he may be great, but I don't think he's going to have a hundred point pace like Kadri had last year, or uh, yeah, or a breakout season like Nichushkin had. So um, I, I feel like. Burakovsky, yeah, if you look at the underlying stats, um, a lot of his success when he's had success has been due to players that he's played with. So um, I, I don't think you're I don't think you're off base at all there. I think he's probably a streamer level player, um, depending on how he does and where he's playing in the lineup. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, last year, even last year, I, I was feeling like he was uh, in terms of like percent roster ship. We looked at him. Uh, quite a few times in our midweek mm -hmm. episodes i feel like yeah. we talked about him a bit and uh he was always like 65 67 percent rostered and i was always kind of like that seems a little high for me like i he, he seems like a streamer level guy but uh maybe not everyone feels that way but yeah i'm, I'm definitely with you on the burakovsky bust train uh, my last bust that i'm going to talk about another maybe controversial one i'm not sure um but it's jack campbell so his overall stats last year in Toronto were pretty good. Um, he, he had a 914 save percentage in 49 games. Obviously had a lot of wins. The Leafs won a lot of games. Um, but this is a, a pretty good exercise in looking at the first half versus second half 
uh, in terms of predicting future success. So from October, uh, I mean, the start of October to December 14th, um, he had a 937 save percentage and his goals save above expected were 17.07. So just ridiculous stats. Unbelievable. Uh, he was in the Vesna conversation. I mean, he was he was a Vesna favorite in December. We'll put it that way. Then December 14th, he gets injured. After he comes back, uh, for the rest of the season, his save percentage was 893, and he had a negative 8.47 goal saved above expected, and that was near the bottom of the league. So when you average out his stats, he was decent, but he had a long stretch where he was terrible. Um, so I just don't know what you're going to get with Jack Campbell. He obviously played really well in the playoffs, but I mean... In stretches, right? He still mm-hmm. had a sub-900 save percentage in the playoffs. Um, he's a guy that, I mean, I would consider him injury-prone. He gets hurt basically every year. Um, and when he plays through injuries, he really struggles. Yeah. Uh, very similar to Freddie Anderson. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's ex- almost exactly the same. Like, he's almost a carbon copy of Freddie Anderson, in my opinion. I love Jack Campbell. Like, I, I, I'm not shitting on the guy. I I was sad that he I'm sad that he's not in Toronto anymore. I genuinely am because I think he's just a, an amazing guy, great for the locker room. When he's good, he's great. I just don't know what you're gonna get with him, and he is clearly the starter in Edmonton because uh, your backup Stuart Skinner. Um, but uh, I think he's gonna get a lot of goal support, so he's probably gonna get a lot of wins. I'm just. Yeah, again, concerned that he'll be able to shoulder the starter load because he's he's never really been able to before. Uh, he's never never played a full season as a starter, so he does uh, seem to really excel in the in the hot hand tandem setup as opposed to yeah. being the trusted guy, right? Yep, totally. Probably uh, probably so, a lot of uh, emotional weight he puts on himself that leads to overexertion and injuries definitely. and things like that. Absolutely. So. Um, and he's getting drafted in the same, this around the same area as Jake Ottinger, but I would definitely consider him in the same boat as him where I'd take a guy at, at that level. If I'm taking a goalie, which I'm probably not at that point, Mm -hmm. I'm taking a guy like Markstrom, uh, on a, on, on a sure thing. I mean, Edmonton's a sure thing, but in terms of, in terms of team, I'm just, I'm, I'm, uh, the injury history right. scares me with Campbell, and I just don't know. The consistency scares me. So the same same um, concerns I have about uh, about Otter are kind of already yeah. realized with Jack Campbell on a better team. Yeah. I, so I th- I think I look at a guy at that level like Markstrom or Freddie Anderson uh, that are on like really good defensive teams that are probably going to be great. So yeah, um, so it doesn't really matter so much. Whereas Edmonton, they're He's going to get a lot of wins, but he may let in a lot of goals because their defense is brutal. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, but I, I am considering him uh, a bust in terms of my projections. So, uh, who's your last bust? So, this one is going to be um, a, a bust that's on the tip of everybody's tongue. Um, but I'm actually especially confident in the, in the bustitude. Is that a okay? Um, of this one, <laughs> it seems right, right? I'm gonna go with it. Bustitude. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, we'll we'll stick with Bustitude. I like that. So this one's Matt Duchesne. 
Um, all year long last year, every pundit, including ourselves, expected to taper off, and it just kind of never happened, right? Um, like TJ on five hole has mentioned before, sometimes unsustainability lasts the whole season. Um, and mm-hmm. I really feel like it's going to rear its ugly head um, going yeah. into this season for a few different reasons. Uh, the ADP at 101, um, like I've mentioned before with other centers, I either want to be taking a center uh, a tier earlier than that or a tier or two later than that. In this in this round uh, area, I'm really trying to find value at other positions rather than um, kind of hawking on a, a center-rich area in the draft. Uh, there's a massive uptick in performance at year 13 for him last year, and that's an awful place to bank on, on a top 100-level draft position. Uh, the team talent level has risen in Nashville with the addition of Nita Ryder and the coming of age of Tomasino, who's on a lot of sleeper lists for people. Um, Janot is another player to watch for, and the emergence of Cody Glass kind of actually making his way into the NHL. Uh, I think this should really lower the need for there to be a purely top-line team like they showed they were last year in Nashville. Uh, his value above replacement at the center post gets wider and wider and wider uh, around the 100 tier. You should really be plucking from 80 to 100 or waiting another tier. Plus, it's Matt Duchesne. So some people are going to be avoiding completely because they believe so strongly that he's a bust. And some people are going to be going a little bit earlier than 100, thinking that they are stealing value um, from the people who think that they are busting. Like the chances that he is another 40 goal scorer are just so low to me that there are so many other players with massive ceilings there that uh, could be even better than 40 goals that um, I'm really, really scared off of Matt Duchesne here. Yeah, I he's a hard one to, to figure out. Um, because yeah, everything he did last year was unsustainable. We talked about it tons on this podcast and every fantasy podcast, but to the point where I almost feel like, I mean, I feel like everyone is saying that he's on, he, it was unsustainable last year, which it was, but it's not like, it's not a big secret. So it's almost at the point where I almost wonder if he's still being undervalued because everyone was so down. Because, well, I don't know, like, I, I don't know, I don't know if he's that much undervalued, but maybe, maybe people are valuing him exactly where he should be. Do you know, okay. do you know what I mean? Because, kinda because everyone watch, is, yeah, yeah it's like, it's kind of like how, um, you know, you know how when people start talking about a player that's overrated and mm-hmm. everyone gets on, yeah, that guy's way overrated, way overrated, to the point where he actually becomes underrated because everyone thinks he's overrated. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Um, so if that happens think, and he's 120, I'm on board, right? Sure. At, at 101, sure. it's not it. Like, if, it, if sure. it continues to wash lower down the draft list, absolutely, when it becomes that next tier and he's at the top of it rather than in the mix with all of these other players at 100, uh, then I'm definitely on board with it. But right here, it seems it seems chock full of still a little too. steep. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, no, it's no, I, I totally get that. Totally get that for sure. All right. Well, that's all we've got for today in terms of busts. Uh, check out the Apples and Genos Discord server. Shout outs to the band there there for providing our music. There's Spotify links in the episode description. Give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. 
Follow us on Twitter. Binksy's at Binklemania. Nate is at Apple's Genos. And I'm at JustJoshin41. Stay safe and get hyped. Draft season's around the corner, everybody. Have a good one, folks. Good night, world. Mm-hmm.